Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, and today I've got DS, the chief producer <laughs> of the show. How we doing? Hey, uh, good. Always, always nice to hop on the pod and talk whatever, you know, the topic is uh, of the day. So good to be here. Hell yeah. So obviously me and you have some unfinished business that's been like... <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks where we've just not been able to get this done. Uh, The last installment of the second series of what ifs. So we've got three topics, scenarios on the board left, and we're going to knock them out here. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So the three topics or scenarios we've got, in this episode are kind of all over the place. First up is hockey. So for our Boston Bruins, let's circle back to the year 2011. So the 2010-2011 season, the Boston Bruins were one of the best teams in the league without a shadow of a doubt. I believe their goalie at the time was Tim Thomas. He was a Vesna winner right around then. So he was one of the best goalies in the league. The Bruins as a team were coming off their second 100 point season in three years going into the playoffs in 2011, but they hadn't made it to the conference finals since 1992. So it had been 20 years uh, since they had made a truly deep run into the postseason. Well, they ended up making it all the way to the Stanley cup finals in this season. And they played the Vancouver Canucks, and the Canucks were kind of in the same spot, having won the President's Trophy, having completed their third straight 100-point season, but having never made it to the conference finals since 1994. So it set up quite the epic of uh, Stanley Cup finals, went the distance to Game 7 in Vancouver, in which the Boston Bruins pulled through to win the Stanley Cup uh, for the first time in, I believe it was 27 years? Something like that. But um, it was it was quite the, the epic series back and forth. I'm pretty sure the home team won the first, like, four games. Then the road team I won games five and six, setting up the, pen, the epic game seven, which, again, the road team won, thankfully, for our sake. Um, but, Diaz, talk to me about this series and what, what if the Bruins hadn't won game seven? You know, what if, what if they would still be chasing – a Stanley cup at that point. So just the first thing that sticks out in my mind about that series was just a young Marchand, just so cocky and just so the way he rubbed it in their face, especially years past that. Um, nobody hated the Vancouver Canucks quite like Brad Marchand, but um, yeah, if they don't win that uh, Stanley cup, like, look, the year before, they had a 3-0 lead to the Philadelphia Flyers. They, you know, Tuka Rask was in goal for that series. They 
were up 3-0. Then they were up 3-0 in game seven. They let them come all the way back. And they were up 3 to nothing in that game seven to the Flyers. They end up losing that. And then they come roaring back. 2011, they win. Tim Thomas stands on his head. Unbelievable run for him. Um, and becomes a legend in the city of Boston. So if they don't win that game seven, Ryan, we've seen what they've done since that win. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think without that win, we, we'd have, I think we'd be seeing a lot of the same. I think that they still would have been highly competitive, you know, in the mix, like they were in 2013, like they were in 2019 with St. Louis. But, I think that 2011 cup run was just so special and so magical. And like a lot of things had to fall into place. Like how many game sevens in that run? Like, I think they went to game seven, every series. Every series. Run. Yes. Nathan Horn, uh, Horton became a cult hero around these parts. Um, just a lot had to happen. And I don't think they would have won up until this point um, without that title, because again, Tim Thomas was at the helm, uh, but you know, for the Bruins there. And I think that as much as I love Tuca and as much as he is one of, you know, sort of the greats, um, or one of the, I'd say top goalies, you know, that the Bruins have had, especially in our lives, I don't think he ever really proved that he could get over the hump or like those high, huge level, uh, pressured moments where you have to come up big you have to you know you have to be clutch and i don't think tuca you know at the end of the day as good as he was really had that championship pedigree you know again he got there twice but Mm -hmm. he could never quite get over the hump himself so i don't think the bruins would have been able to without that tim thomas run and i don't think tim thomas you know ends up like staying here or whatever i think he ends up you know, going the route that he did, regardless of that win or not. Um, so, yeah, I just think that we'd be still sitting here. We wouldn't be talking 27 years. We'd, we'd be talking, you know, now like 30, almost 40 years without a cup. Yeah, maybe you can make the argument that if if they weren't still chasing, maybe they don't – maybe they – maybe they find a way to somehow win that the that final against the Blackhawks. But, like, if anything, you could make the argument – the otherwise that it would have been even more pressure on the Bruins to, to have beaten the Blackhawks in that series, if they were still chasing a cup and not a couple of years removed from one. So uh, I, I don't know if you can really make a, a, a good case that it would have been better off or that they Tuca would have been better off and, and done better in, in that series than he did if they were chasing rather than kind of trying to form a dynasty, so to speak. Um, I, I think what you can say is that had the Canucks not blown that three, two series lead after stealing game five in Boston, uh, they, if they had won either, uh, uh, da, 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 da. well, if game seven was at home, wait, hold on. I got to backtrack this. So no, I think the home team won the first six games. That's, that sounds right. Right. Cause if game seven was at home in Vancouver, then game six was in Boston. Right. Yeah. So, so then, so the home team won, I believe the first six games, maybe, maybe there was a split somewhere in between there that I'm, that I'm stumbling upon. But the moral of the story is that 
if Vancouver had hadn't blown the series lead and had finished the deed, that would have given not only Vancouver its first championship and its first Stanley Cup, but it would have ended a Canadian championship drought oh. that had been ongoing since 1993 that still exists to this day, <laughs> which is just nuts that Canada, the, the team, the, or the country rather, that it just is the epitome of hockey. And none of their pro sports teams in the sport can have been able to win one in over a quarter of a century. And it, it's still ongoing to this day. It's crazy that it's, it's over three decades now. But so that that's the obvious. From the Bruins perspective, I, I don't know. I think I'm with you in that the Bruins probably maintain the same level of regular season success that, that followed in the years afterwards. I don't know if they would have been able to convert on any of their Stanley Cup chances prior, or if they would have had more or less. But what you can definitely say is that that Stanley Cup kind of legitimized Tim Thomas. It put the feather in his cap and it kind of, like you said, it kind of legitimized some of the upcoming talent and like Marshand is a guy that's still just chugging and churning out points and leading this the team to this day. And so if 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 he doesn't get that he's not a part of that Stanley Cup winning team, uh, per, perhaps you know the drive is even more so to this day. Um, whether that leads to more injuries because he's beating himself up, you know, putting in even more effort than he already is, or whatnot, but. I think the safe thing that you can say is the Bruins would have maintained that level of regular season success, but the the cloud would have been hanging over their head of ah these guys just can't win the big one these days you know they 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 couldn't do it against Vancouver couldn't do it against Chicago couldn't do it against St Louis and and now you you would just be looking at a team that's just feels like they're trying to get the monkey off their back. And we've seen that some teams, some organizations across any of the major sports just have big time issues with that. Like kind of crossing over to football here. You see what you saw what happened to Atlanta. They they choked that massive lead in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They have never been the same and, or ha- enjoyed anywhere near as much success as they did in that season. And it, 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 you can almost just surely point to that game. That epic collapse is why that organization has just been a failure to this date from that point on. Uh, I'm not saying the Bruins would have been that in any capacity. I think they would have maintained a, a fair level of success in the regular season. But if the monkey were still on the back, I wonder if they would have been able to reach those Stanley Cup finals. That, that's something you can, you can at least debate. Um, as whether or not they would have been able to kind of get to there or if they would have – maybe they would have converted one of those with, with all the pressure on them. Who knows? Mm. All right. So that's, that's our first what if. Our second what if is on a much more personal slash localized level. So we've done one of these before where we, we've talked about the WBL the, our neighborhood wiffle ball league. That's it's uh, we're going to see if we can fire it back up maybe for 2023, but 
definitely kind of has been on the outs with all of our all of our friends and and players kind of moving on to you know big boy jobs and moving out of town and whatnot so as you know ds the the big the wbl is a big barrel wiffle ball league so we're not using the yellow stick bats the, you know the narrow ones yep. like that we're, we're using like legit louisville slugger-esque barrels plastic custom barrels whatnot um and it's medium pitch so we're not we're not unless most of us unless you're coach yes and and or, then or miller you, yeah <laughs> <laughs> now considering that the league from 2013 to 2022 had a batting a league-wide batting average sitting around 300 which on the surface is like oh yeah that's pretty solid but when you look across other leagues like across the country and you see what they're doing with yellow bats or or with big barrel bats but fast pitch it, it's like uh 300 in a medium pitch big barrel league feels not so great so i mean you look at it from that sense if the question that we're going to propose here is what if the wbl had been a yellow bat league in its entirety and we never used like junk ball bats or or louisville slugger bats or, or whatnot what i mean what what would have the league have looked like if everyone was stuck using the yellow bats ds there's a lot that you could think about with this one because you know with the yellow bat you can still you know you can still hit it fairly far if you like really connect with it but you know the ultimate challenge with that being mm-hmm. you know the smaller barrel is like being able to make contact as much um and as consistently um so like we have i think with our league we have a very sizable gap from like best hitter to worst hitter in terms of skill skill gap mm-hmm. so i think i think the skill gap would have reared its head even more um than it had with the big barrel because like even with the big barrel anybody can just square one up and potentially you know put one out and then with the yellow barrel it just becomes a bit more harder i uh, your mic by the way um oh there we go anyways um yeah, I think that pitching would have been that much more, um, I think, dominant in in more years than not. Because I like, yeah, I do think like some of us would have gotten pretty good with it. I also think that the fields that we have played on over the years would have been, you know, I don't know if we ever would have moved out to the Little League fields the way we did, um, because we were just like it got to the point where we outgrew Zach's backyard. And we were hitting it, you know, too far and the field, that field was too small and disproportionate, whatever. We would have had to maybe figure out a different type of thing or maybe even cut the little league field that we play on even shorter. Um, and so I think it would have been kind of like that. Stat wise, it's hard for me to like speculate. I just think that pitching would have been um, even more dominant. I think guys like you, you and Zach and Nick would still get your due. Uh, you know, your numbers made just be a different version of what they are with the other bat. But I think that averages would be down. 
Um, you know, home runs would certainly be down for sure. We had a couple of years where y'all, and I'm talking about y'all meaning you, Zach and Nick, where it's just like, you could almost like, just expect, like set your clock to it. There's going to be, this guy's getting three home runs today, no matter what he's going to get his think maybe, you know, there could have been a little bit more of a parody in terms of a, just the sheer performance of some of the top guys. But I think some of the, the, the lower level guys um, and guys that struggle to hit sometimes, you know, it, it, it would have been really tough um, to sort of work your way through. Cause I think everybody can kind of find their own way to pitch, but when you're, when you're using yellow Batman, you're really bare bones and not every John in the league is, I don't think would, would have, uh, fared too well with that but what do you think so i i'm just trying to wrap my head around it yeah yeah i agree with you on the home run perspective (laughs) although to a degree so like you make the point that me nick and zach kind of separated ourselves in the home run chase i think no year was greater than that than in 2018 when three of us all hit for over 40 home runs and the next closest person was sitting at 15, which was crazy that nobody else was able to kind of be anywhere near us. Um, That three people had almost three times as many home runs as, as the rest of the league, the next best closest person, like that just feels unfathomable to me. Yeah. what you saw in other years was a little bit better of parody, but it, it required people to really step up or for the top guys to kind of, kind of cool off a little bit. Uh, if you, if you took the big barrels out of everyone's bats and you, you made them play yellow stick, I think the home run numbers come down across the board. I think that's a given, but I don't know if the the parody I don't know if it would change a ton. I think you would see maybe like if we're talking like numbers, right? Like uh I I would say maybe we're looking at people hitting the top hitters hitting like 25 to 30 home runs in, in the the prime years maybe let maybe closer to 20 in the 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 tougher years where pitching was more dominant but i don't know i think the home runs across the board from from the middle of the pack and the rest of the league would have also suffered because i mean you you saw i mean with a league average of 300 that's with big barrels if you take that out of the hands and you reduce their barrel size and cut that basically in half, if not more, I mean, batting averages are going to go down, down the tank across the board. And then you're going to get, which means if we're having less hits, we're inherently going to have less home runs. So while I, I think that you might close the gap a little bit with, the yellow bats in terms of home run gap. Uh, I, I don't think it would be drastic. I, I think the, the cream would still rise to the top. And 
I think you would see more struggles from people in the middles and the bottom, especially from an average perspective. I think that I think while the the home run gap might not change too much, I think the the batting average gap would. I think you would see. Yeah the guys, the one or two people at the top each year just kind of separate themselves even more than you did in years past. Like uh, if, if we're looking career numbers, right? The highest batting average career wise, uh, looking at that, um, that would be myself at 464. But then everyone else is really like close when you're looking at like career numbers. Now, obviously I'm, I'm going to rattle off names here that are all kind of within each other. Now, Zach is, is close behind me at 440 and Jonathan at 445. But once you move past that upper, like two or three people, you got a bunch of people again, varying years of, of participation and amount of games played, but you know, you got Nick at four Oh five for a career average, Alec three ninety four, uh, DJ was four Oh three, Zach Shellhorse three ninety seven. So those are, uh, and even Matt Cunningham at three eighty six. You, you can slide in there. Uh, there's, there's a handful of guys in the middle there that would have probably seen their numbers drop as well. Um, I, I just wonder how it would have gone. Now, now, there's some people like like Miller. We know that John can hit with a yellow stick bat. So if if he yep. was forced to use that, uh, he, he his stats probably hold for the most part, and he would watch everyone from a batting average perspective kind of come down to his level, and so he would look even better. Uh, if in a yellow bat league full time, uh, I think Jonathan would have maintained his level of success. I think Zach would as well. Um, those are guys that displayed hitting both in our league with big barrels, as well as in tournaments at both the local and kind of regional level uh, with the yellow stick bats. So I think that there are definitely guys that would have maintained their level of successes to a degree with the yellow stick bats. Obviously the, the power and the production is probably going to come down. Um, uh, but I think across the board, you, you're going to see a lot of drop in, in production and that would have made it tougher than it already was to keep interest. I mean, there are guys that were playing, more so to have fun for the the enjoyment of the experience rather than the stats. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, I'm just an overcompetitive motherfucker that, that (laughs) cannot see anything other than I need to win. I need to perform and I need to do the best. I need to be the best. And I, I have extreme difficulty differentiating that's from just, you know, enjoying myself and having fun. But, um, but there are, there are plenty of people who can do that. And, but when they're, struggling hardcore at times it makes it difficult to enjoy the experience Uh, i think so i think the yellow sticks would have made that even difficult and so you can argue that uh league participation would have dropped off quicker than it it did in in a sense um and then on the flip side you can also make the case uh for pitching pitching would have would have dominated even more so than it did from time to time now hitting had its ups and downs uh, it, it and 
as did pitching. Obviously, they're directly correlated. But uh, I think you would have seen more pitching-dominant years if we had been a yellow bat league, especially from its inception. Um, but oh, ultimately, yeah. I think what you can really say is that it would have made it a harder time overall and less fun for the hitters because, let's be honest, we're just a bunch of a dudes hitting a plastic ball and, and trying to have fun doing it. And we're, we're not professionals by any means. We're, we're just a group of guys just trying to have fun playing a sport. And I think the yellow bats probably would have made it harder and, and more likely to do less of that. Um, some may have fared just as well, but uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think for the league's sake, it was best to stay with it would have it would have been tough to switch over to yellow bat and i i do agree with your point on bean field we we definitely would not have trish transitioned out of like your backyard or zach's backyard to bean field over at the rockland little league complex as soon as we did if we had remained yellow bat because you're just not hitting the ball as far it's simple as that exactly exactly yeah the need would not have presented itself um and it- as soon as it did, it still may have at some point, but it would not have presented itself as soon as it did. And also, you know, just a, a more um, specific part I want to point out that I think cannot um, go untouched is that if we were a yellow bat league, I'd put I'd put a lot of money down that we would have never have seen a little Mike home run. And I'm thankful. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a little bit of a stab in the back there, partner. Uh, st- stab to you or stab to Mike? <laughs> uh, I think it's a ricochet shot for both. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's no slight to Mike. It, it, honestly, it is no slight to Mike. I just think that, like, you know, obviously I think by the end he had improved so much, um, but – I think the curve for him to have gotten to that point where he was near like the last couple of years where he's pretty solid, you know, like he's no joke at the plate, um, nothing to sneeze at, but his tough years where he borderline, I, I mean, he did quit at one point, but like those years where he was really struggling and really down on himself, I think with the yellow bat, it just, I mean, it's just so much harder. And, and like, I don't know if we would have gotten that home run moment, you know, because it he didn't hit that home run until I think 2017 or 18, 17. I, I, think I 17. don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't happen. So. Oh yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on. Cause you know, you're, you're a, you're a little bit <laughs> home run denier. We don't, need, we don't need your type in our society. Okay. Well, Mike hit that home run fair and square. I saw it with my own two eyes, two eyes. I was five feet away from it. I saw it. I, I never saw it go over, over a fence or a predetermined line or anything like that. So that's, I, I don't okay. know what you're talking about. I, well, I don't you know, know what, what I'm defending about. his honor here. So, you know what? You can suck after, after basically taking a dump on him, but <laughs> I, I digress. We'll move on to our final. Well, like- what if of the day? And we're going to re-enter the world of professional wrestling. So wrestling. WWE, so this this is going to be an interesting one. I could talk for days about the man known as CM Punk. That was my guy for for quite a while. You, you guys, you you know that DS 
Uh, anyone who knows me well enough knows that CM Punk was my man in pro wrestling for many a year after Edge's retirement. So he's not exactly the most uh, the quiet or uh, out of the headlines guy, shall we say, uh, for lack of a, a better phrase. It all started. We'll, 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 we'll work up to this one. Bear with all me right. here. Right. So let's, let's take everyone back to, to the year of 2013. So the Royal Rumble kicks off the year in January 2013. CM Punk is defending the title against The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who the previous summer had announced that he would be getting a title shot at The Rumble. Well, CM Punk was still champion at this time for Hunt going into the Royal Rumble, 434 days as WWE champion, which was a record for the modern era, era the past 25 years at the time. Unfortunately, his reign came to an end at the hands of The Rock. And that kind of, I'm not going to point to this as the beginning of the tailspin for CM Punk, but because I, I think the wheels were already starting to fall off. I think he was already starting to, he was already burnt out at this point and he was just kind of chugging along and powering through to the best of his abilities. But so he drops the title to the rock at the Royal rumble. He does not get the return match against the rock at WrestleMania in that April of that year. Instead, he gets a match with the undertaker. So he gets to challenge the undertaker and gets a shot at his undefeated streak at WrestleMania at the time, which was 20 and zero. he does not pull it off. He loses. So the streak goes to 21 and zero. at this point, punk takes some time off. He's obviously beaten, battered and bruised. He's not mentally in it as much as he used to be. So he takes about a month or two off, comes back actually fairly quickly to face off with uh, Chris Jericho, of all people. And then he, it starts a series of feuds with, with mostly forgettable, but he did have a feud with Brock Lesnar in the summer of 2013. Uh, lost that one as well. But eventually, you fast forward through 2013, and Punk's kind of just kicking his feet. He's still popular, no doubt about it. But it, it just the, the direction, the creative direction doesn't seem to be there. He's feuding with a bunch of these up-and-comers that he are struggling to get over. And then he's also feuding, in a sense, with the with some of the bigger groups at the time, the Wyatt family, uh, the Shields, who had been turned against him, whatnot. So young, younger uh, factions that are making their way onto the main roster scene. But it, it, eventually, Punk just reached his breaking point at the Royal Rumble in 2014. After losing in the Royal Rumble match and being eliminated by Kane, he basically walked out on the company the following night, said, screw it, I'm out, I'm done, this is stupid, I hate it here, I'm out. Walks out, still contracted, doesn't care, leaves. And that sets off a chain of events 
that leads to Daniel Bryan working his way into the main event of WrestleMania 30 that year, winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. It leads to uh, WWE and CM Punk just having a massive fallout where they where WWE fired Punk on his wedding day. Uh, just massive distaste in the mouth for both parties. And honestly, rightfully so, given the circumstances uh, that how both sides handled it. But it leads to Punk basically walking away from pro wrestling for the better part of seven years or so before he ultimately kind of comes back uh, last year at in the summer it, he comes back with to AEW and then obviously that went all of well for about a year before he pissed off the EVPs Nick and Matt Jackson the Young Bucks as well as Kenny Omega they have a backstage locker room brawl not not a, a scripted one not a an actual like not one that was meant for television. They had a literal backstage brawl, punches thrown, chairs flying, like fisticuffs galore. Uh, I think eight people ended up being suspended and Punk is basically on the outs with the company. Uh, looks like he will almost surely be bought out or he'll, the rest of his contract with AEW will be bought out. Now I've kind of skipped a, some stuff there in between, but if we're circling back to the year of 2014 DS, what if punk didn't walk out from WWE after the Royal rumble pay-per-view in 2014? Wow. I mean, I have thoughts on this. You are, you are far better suited to, give an educated answer on this i mean like i because that time in wrestling was like very weird right because you have like again the 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 rock is like coming back you know he has you know those scene abouts and it's like you know everybody is so happy or i remember being very happy like seeing this and it's like you know sort of just I don't know. It was something that they needed. I thought at the time, you know, getting the rock back in there in the business and doing big matches. And Mm -hmm. you just like, for me, someone uh, at that time who was watching, you know, but I didn't realize the impact it was having on someone like CM Punk and looking back on it. Now you realize like, yeah, the guy had plenty of reason to be pissed off. I mean, but I also think he has shown that he, doesn't always work well with others whether that's you know not totally his fault but at the same time i don't know that he handles things um as well as he could but going to your question what if he didn't leave and walk out in 2014 um i don't know that i don't know that he'd be wrestling today or that we'd be seeing him today i think he would have had a nice run you know still in wwe uh if he were to behave, if he were to, you know, whatever he needed to do to be in the good graces, because obviously he wasn't at that point. So if he were to stay, he was going to have to 
probably play nice. And depending on how well he does that probably determines what his future holds there. Um, if he were to have stayed. Um, so I, I think he has like a nice, like upper level run, not like high tier, not like, you know, world championship runs. Cause I think at that point, the cat, you know, it's Daniel Bryan, you know, they were pushing him. He was the guy um, for a while. And like, could Punk have been in the mix in that picture? Yeah, absolutely. They could have put on some amazing matches uh, with Brian as champion and all that. But I, I don't know that Punk ever would have gotten what he truly wanted, which was like, you know, to be treated like the top guy. I don't think that ever mm-hmm. would have came to, I don't think it ever would have came to him. Um, Cause even now I, I like, and I'm going to point to recent history um, when he debuted, with AEW just about a year ago, man, his stock could not have been higher. Like the pop he got in Chicago, cult of personality, ice cream sandwiches for everybody. Fucking that was so much fun. And it like, it, it, it like literally it felt like, okay, he's back. And like now, like this is what he wanted, right? Like this is sort of the, you know, the atmosphere he wanted, the, company he wanted to be around with what have you and it just took a year for it to and i'm not you know i'm not totally blaming him i you know i'm leaving plenty of wiggle room for there to be you know to blame other parties but common Mm -hmm. denominator here is in my mind cm punk so i just think ultimately he would have flamed out no matter what and he would have had a nice run 14 to maybe who knows 17 or 18 Maybe he goes four more years with uh, WWE, but I don't think he's ever the top guy like he wanted to be at WWE because he he couldn't even come to AEW allegedly and really truly have what he wanted. He, he like he wants to have his cake and he wants to eat it and he wants to shove it down your throat and then he wants to watch you poop it all out. He wants to have everything. I I like him. Yep. I like him a lot, but it's hard. It's hard to see. It is so in the. In, in the moment, so 2014, the immediate fallout of him of him walking out is now, okay, it, there is no doubt that we, we are full on board the Daniel Bryan hype train. Like, the yes movement is going to the moon. Now, I think that Daniel Bryan was going to the moon eventually, no matter what, because the fans right. were so behind him at this point, it did not matter w- about anything else, really. All that changed was how they got there and that they were able to accelerate it. So they literally, I think what was going to happen was Punk was going to face Triple H at WrestleMania 30. And then Brian would have just been found his way by some either just being put into the main event itself or or some other way of, of qualifying rather than having to beat Triple H as he did to get into that. WrestleMania main event. I think you would have found Daniel Bryan in that main event, regardless uh, of whether or not Punk walked out. So I don't think the world title picture would have changed in that sense. Um, now, in terms of how long does Punk end up staying? Does after, if he actually stayed? I don't think he had three or four more years in him, to be honest with you, Dan. I, I really think that given 
the fact that he ha- had already had to take some time off, albeit it wasn't much the, the year prior. I think that where he was at mentally, where he was toast, he was fried, he was cooked just all across the board. If, if he decides to stick it out, I mean, it, it, I think it would have been treated somewhat like uh, another current AEW wrestler, Dean Ambrose, at who is known as WWE. Uh, he's John Moxley in AEW, uh, the current world champion in AEW, mind you. Uh, if you recall, Dean Ambrose, what contract was not renewed, and it was, I believe, a mutual, uh, mutual decision. Uh, WWE decided he they weren't going to bring him back. Dean Ambrose did not want to stay. He, he chose not to renew and and WWE was fine with that. They were so fine with it that they actually acknowledged in on TV that in, in headlines that Ambrose was leaving. He was, and they turned it into a, a shield, a farewell tour with him, Rollins and Reigns. Yeah, um, which was unheard of at that time. Now, I don't think Punk would have gotten some sort of farewell tour because obviously he was in the bad. Uh, he was not exactly in the good merits of the company in, in those in power there at WWE. But I think if he stays, he powers through the rest of his contract. They probably have small issues here and there. I mean, I think the falling out happens eventually. Maybe it just doesn't happen at the same time uh, or as soon as it did. But I think there's, there's no doubt about it. Punk was, didn't have much in the tank left. If at all, it was only a matter of time. Maybe he sees it through to through WrestleMania season instead of walking at the rumble. Maybe he tells them, look, I'll, I'll finish up WrestleMania season, but after that I'm done. And then he basically walks away then, but maybe it's on better terms and they kind of freeze his contract or they just let it expire. However, you, you, you look at it, maybe it's done better than it was handled in actuality. And, and then maybe, maybe that allows the door for, for punk to come back uh, to WWE some point in time. Cause Let's let's be honest. Right now, with Triple H in charge, he does not like CM Punk whatsoever. Let's let's be honest. He did say, you know, business is business, and you know that they, they he did admit Hunter did that they'll have to explore that avenue if the time were ever to come. And they they wouldn't rule it out and, or say never. But let's be honest, they're they're not bringing him back. They saw what, how toxic he was at the end of his WWE run. They saw. They're seeing how it went with AEW, and it took all of, like you said, Dan, a year for that to explode. So I just I don't see too much changing, honestly, which is sad. It's really sad because this was my guy. He was a pro wrestling uh, savant. He was the quote-unquote voice of the voiceless. That was kind of his moniker. Yeah. Uh and he wasn't he dropped some of the best promos and he still can and wow. does to this day it's just it, it's 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 his workplace conduct or the way he does business is just it's just not yeah. it's just not the right way to go about things it you hit it 
on the T. He he wants everything. He wants the WrestleMania main event. He wants the AEW pay-per-view main events. He wants all the world title runs. He he wants all of it. And then he wants you to to bend the knee and bow your head and, and suck him off while you're at it. Like <laughs> he, he literally wants it all and he does not care how he gets it. And he doesn't care how many bridges he has to burn in the process of it. And that's the thing that, that ruffles me the wrong way. Like I'm still a fan of his to this day for his in-ring work and for his promo skills, like from a, from a wrestling standpoint, from a pro wrestling standpoint, like he is still one of the best in the world at, in my eyes. Like oh, he yeah. can, he, he can absolutely go with anyone, even, yep. even this late into his career and in his prime, man, I, I would have killed to have seen some, some of those matchups with, uh, some talents outside of AEW or outside of WWE. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. But I guess if, if Punk leaves or if Punk doesn't leave, I wonder if AEW is ever able to pry him from retirement or from obscured, uh, not obscured, right, but yeah. from, from kind of his kind of his shell of of kind of leaving walking away from the business i know that they were able um i know that you know wwe was cool with chris jericho leaving doing stuff over in new japan before he ultimately went to AEW. and vince was uh, chris jericho ran everything by vince because that they were on such good terms with each other that hey i i i am indebted to you in your company I, but he, I have this opportunity. I know I don't really have as many with you currently. Are are you cool with me going and doing stuff elsewhere? And and Vince was cool with it. Yep. I mean, so it's not like you couldn't work with the guy and, <clears throat> or the company, the company being WWE, and do stuff outside of that if if they didn't have anything for you. So Dude, there is yeah. precedence. So I. If if Punk could have just conducted business better, I feel like he it, things could have went so much better from him, and he would not have had to have just left the business and completely shunned it entirely, or, or blocked it out of his life for seven plus years. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know necessarily uh, if if the fallout that happened could have been altered. I think the the fallout that he had with WWE was inevitable to some degree. Maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. Maybe it wouldn't have taken place as quickly as it did, but I think it was more or less inevitable given the way things were going for him. Uh, I, I just wonder what the ripple effects in the years that followed would have been like, like Daniel Bryan still winning that world title. That's not changing, but if punk hangs around, I mean, do you get a punk Brian main event for at WrestleMania? Because they, they had main evented multiple pay-per-views wrestling for the WWE championship prior. Like that, that had happened before like that. It's, it's not like that never happened, but uh, the one thing that punk always was chasing was not only lengthy world title reigns, but he wanted to be the guy he wanted to be in main events main event of raw main event of smackdown main event of pay-per-views main event of wrestlemania he never got to headline of wrestlemania during his big 
wrestled uh, during his big WWE championship reign. He seldom was in the main event of pay-per-views. Um, it, it was, it was tough. And I think that ate at him, um, that the company didn't see him as a, a main event headliner caliber, even when he was world champion. So, uh, a lot of things could have been handled better. A lot of things could have gone differently, but ultimately personally, I don't think a whole lot would have changed if he didn't walk out at the time that he did. I really think he would have done so eventually. I just wish it would have been done better in that way things that happened thereafter wouldn't have happened and we could have had punk in the business at least quicker or for a longer period of time than we have i yeah i i agree with pretty much everything you said i uh i thought it was interesting you brought up jericho um in that sort of parallel because jericho obviously integral to aew and especially the the beginning of it to have a name Mm -hmm. like that attached to it. But I think Jericho, Jericho truly accomplished what CM Punk couldn't, unfortunately. And that was being as brash as he is as a character and, and like as a person in in some respects, but also being able to, to hone that in and to rein it in when you, when you really need to, when it comes to, you know, again, like working with, you know, whoever is above you and that you need to, you know, sort of play nice with so that you can do stuff like what Jericho did with New Japan, like you mentioned. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately, even though Jericho's at AEW, they the WWE still allowed Stone Cold to have uh, Jericho on his WWE uh, Mm -hmm. Broken Skulls. Like, Jericho was already, like, AEW was already sort of established. And WWE co-signed. They're like, yeah, like, Stone Cold, like, if, if you want Jericho, that's fine. And you know, that just shows that, you know, you don't have to, you know, burn a bridge. You can be like a Jericho and even go to another company. You can still appear on your former company's uh, branded podcast. And so I think that is mm-hmm. just a little bit of a tidbit to show you that or to show anyone listening that like, you know, CM Punk, amazing talent. Again, your top, your guy, like as long as, as long as I can remember, so you're, effing guy and for good reason because he's supremely talented supremely great at promos um amazing on the mic but it almost like you know that press conference with tony khan you know like it's like it it it, it feels like he just lets his character or like his, his brashness and how he is with you know as cm punk is and he just kind of lets that you know take over when it doesn't need to so which sucks yeah because yeah uh, he, he definitely lets the ego get to him what a fucking uh, talent though god damn yes yeah hate to hate to see it it play out the way that it has over the past eight eight or nine years it's it's tough Tough i want to ask you though john yeah what's up because you mentioned it i i you, you may have touched on it just a little bit but what what do you think happens like your opinion you know as much as you've been you know on the topic, you know, I don't know how much recently, cause I don't know how much movement there's been, you know, too recently on it, but where, like, what is the status with him and AEW and it, like where, or what do you see things going for him in the next, you know, year to two years? Well, I think 
if you look at how the the situation was handled, which was the following dynamite after the pay-per-view press conference, uh, the post-game presser where all the stupid shit happened. Tony Khan stripped Punk of his newly won World Heavyweight Championship. And he also stripped the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega of their newly won Trios World titles. So then you fast forward to now, and we're seeing vignettes or kind of previews for the return of the Elite, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, for the Full Gear pay-per-view later on this month, actually a week from today (laughs) in Newark, New Jersey. So looks like the Elite's already being going to – be brought back into the fold and unsuspended, whereas Punk is still suspended, still assumingly working on a buyout with the company. I don't know. I, I don't have any updates. I've honestly kind of left that one alone and just waited for the process to play itself out rather than just be regularly looking dirt up the dirt seats. sheets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say if I had to guess – that Punk's time with AEW is is done. He will not be brought back, despite the fact that he is the biggest moneymaker for the company, and Tony Khan knows it. But from a PR sense, from a locker room perspective, I don't think anyone likes Punk in that locker room. I, I feel like this is just my personal view of just looking at it from afar. Just, you know, the fuck they doing over there kind of view. Uh, I, I really think that the Bucks and Omega felt like they needed to take a stand against Punk, that nobody was really happy with how he was holding himself and the fact that he was getting all these opportunities just because of how popular he was and how much money he was making Tony Khan. It, it almost felt like professional jealousy to a degree, like that Punk had just walked in and was just being handed all these world title opportunities and he couldn't even – I mean – Within a, a month of winning his first AEW world title, he breaks his foot by jumping into the crowd to celebrate his championship. That was tough. Which yeah. is very tough. Like, I'm not going to fault the guy for making the jump, but it's at the same time, like, uh, how do you – I mean, you just can't. You, you, you can't do that. You cannot allow yourself to be injured without – outside of wrestling, we'll say. Like, yep. out, out, outside the ring. And then he comes back, wins the world title. And instead of being grateful, instead of, of just remaining in character and, or, and, and just kind of being CM Punk, newly won two-time AEW world champion, or, uh, he just goes and goes nuclear and, and, and just blows, says hell with, with characters. Let's just, let's just shoot. Let's just, take every shot we can possibly make at everyone that I've ever been done dirty by or that I've ever not liked and do it in front of my boss and to all of the media. And I just don't think it's a, I, I, it just, from the way it's being handled, it does not appear to be a forgivable offense. And I think that as much as Tony Khan is going to hate to do it because of how much money punk brings him i think he's just gonna have to 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 sever ties with punk 
and I think Punk is done. I, I think this is this was the last straw. I I just cannot see WWE bringing him back into the fold. Oh, but if they how, did, oh, oh man, that would be one of could the juiciest you, things ever. Could you? And I know the pop for Punk in Chicago for AEW was it was a truly all time pop. I think I think whatever venue they're in would collapse if he came back in the WWE because I think so because uh, the the WWE fan is more so tailored is more so of a of a casual fan let's say yeah, yeah. and I, it, it, it's not the greatest term to use but let's be honest WWE's fans aren't exactly the young hardcore fan they're yeah. kind of the the middle-aged or, you know, older kind of just, just casually watching to watch. Cause I got kids or, or that are watching or, you know, that, that type of fan um, there aren't, that's, that's kind of what they're tailored to. So uh, if, if he comes back, they, that audience knows who CM Punk is, even though they're, they're the casual fan. Like he was very, very popular in WWE during most of, if not his entire run and his popularity has, has never waned. So he shows back in WWE. If, if they really find a way to put bygones or let bygones be bygones and and just do business. uh, Yes. He will get a similar reaction, maybe even greater, but it will, it will be just as, as nutty in that arena as it was in Chicago for AEW. Oh yeah, no one one thousand percent. You're spot on, and yeah, like the the sliver of hope in me is like, man, if he could just, you know, if he gets released by or bought out by AEW, and then, you know, he just comes to Jesus, and he's like, you know, man, <laughs> hey, that that old fling was kind of nice back in the day. I'm not gonna lie, and uh, no, there's but, only there's only one way that'll happen money they gotta they gotta pay him either the most fucking insane amount of bag that you can hand a washed up wrestler at this point because that's that's what he is it's not it's not that he can't go in the ring he's just washed up from just a overall like commodity perspective Mm -hmm. um uh, but they also have to promise him the wrestlemania main event I, i i guarantee you he will not come Unless he gets paid enough and gets Dude. the WrestleMania event, what if? Hold on, and, and now now I'm just playing. Uh, oh, it's a the first ever live. What if? Um, what if? So I think they had big plans for for Cody before he tore his pec. Um, yes. What if? You know they end up putting the title on Cody, or somehow the title comes off of Reigns in the future. Mm-hmm. And then Cody is one of the champions, Universal or both or whatever. And then they bring in Punk. And then Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, WrestleMania main event. Imagine. Oh, my God. That, that would be a full-blown Triple H is trying to spite the shit out of Tony Khan in AEW. That hey, would be, remember that he, guy that... Yeah. 
that helped yeah. found the the company for you yeah he's in my main event as our world champion remember that guy that you thought was gonna win the war for you that was gonna uh, turn the tide that was gonna make you <laughs> legit more than anything else yeah we brought him back and now he's in our main event challenging <laughs> your your quote-unquote guy for the world title on night two of the biggest uh pay-per-view the biggest show in all of of the business uh how's that, that how's that feel double oh. freedom rockets that is yeah and that that is true like quote unquote you know we've talked since aw you know has come to be we've talked about oh monday night wars blah blah blah. you know mm-hmm. the feud that is truly yeah. at that point that is like yep we're harking it back to the 90s baby and triple h is just just rubbing himself in oil and he's just yep. like yeah fuck you tony khan oh he's my going god going for the kill shot that's <laughs> that what would, that is oh. and and see like i know Triple H hates CM Punk, vice versa. But I will put nothing past that man now that he has crea- true creative control and he yeah. can do whatever the fuck he wants. So, yeah. Yep. I definitely won't put <laughs> anything past him. I mean, he had Austin Theory cash in the money, the bank <laughs> briefcase on the United States champion, not the world Whoa. champion, the United States champion. And he lost. <laughs> he lost. <laughs> and, and Seth Rollins was offering an open challenge the entirety of the show. Austin Theory <laughs> could have just literally kept the briefcase and literally been like, I accept your open challenge. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead, he he cashed money in the bank on a mid-card title and lost. The also- dumbest <laughs> thing I have ever seen. They also definitely have something with Logan Paul, and I think that much is very clear. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, from, I've like watched a couple of his pods, um, shit and and like, he, he seems like he actually, like, he wants to be like a legitimate, like he wants to do the thing, you know, he, like, he Mm -hmm. wants to, you know, completely be that kind of a guy. And, and I think, uh, he's obviously talented enough. I think he looked pretty good in that main event. Um, so I, I agree. I, I liked what I saw from him. Everything looked kind of stiff, kind of real. You know, it didn't look yeah. like, oh, we were just, you know, I was just kind of just doing the motions, you know, of what I've been learning in the, the, at the performance center. No, he, like, he did a buckshot lariat and he yep. slung himself. He, he flipped did. over the rope and he threw every ounce of his body mass at Roman Reigns and clocked the clobber the crap out of him. Like the, fr- I, the frog splash too was insane. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's the spot where he tore his MCL and ACL where he blew out I his knee so. completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're not going to see him anytime soon. He's, he's definitely uh toast through probably right. WrestleMania, if not further, probably won't see him again until probably SummerSlam ish of 2023. But yeah, I mean, I, if, it, you know, just kind of wrapping things up here, uh, I, I would say the state of professional wrestling is still as as good as it's ever been. Uh, I yep. think Triple H being in charge now is is a huge, huge, huge plus, plus, plus for for uh, WWE as a whole. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be without its speed bumps and its hiccups. I think the the way the Money in the Bank contract was cashed in was a <laughs> massive blunder. <laughs> I mean, just literally have him cash in on Roman and fail. Just, just, just fail epically. 
Yeah. Like literally cash in, have Roman just choke him out instantly. Like yeah. you can have him be the joke, the butt of jokes that way. But now he just, you've just completely made Austin theory look like an, an absolute clown, like <laughs> an absolute dumb, dumbass. So I don't, I don't, I think you've ruined a character in that sense. So yeah. I, I don't agree with that. The way that was booked. Um, AEW, it's still churning, but it, it's outside of Grand Slam uh, in Queens at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, I feel like AEW post uh, All Out, post the the backstage CM Punk Elite Brawl, ha- hasn't quite had it. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's losing its shine, so to speak. So maybe the Elite coming back at full gear will kind of help restore that to a degree. But I, I feel like AEWs now, they're kind of just churning along. Like, they're they're here. They're still here. You know, the, the matches are yeah. good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the, um, uh, the storylines just aren't there right now. Uh, they're very few and far uh, – they're very few that are worth paying attention to right now. And that's that says a lot coming from me. Uh, whereas um, WWE um, – I think they've actually got more stories that are worth watching right now. Yeah, maybe the in-ring product isn't nearly up to up to task, uh, but in terms of stories, I mean, I think WWE right now definitely has the upper hand. Triple H has definitely established that. I mean, Bray Wyatt is is slowly putting together his group after returning to WWE. Uh, that's that's a, one of the biggest stories in pro yeah. wrestling right now is who is Wyatt going to include in his s- presumed super group. Uh, you've got Roman Reigns, you know, how long is he going to keep on churning out uh, world title defenses? When will he ever drop the title and to who the Usos just, just set the record the other night last night, actually for their, uh, they, they retained a, the undisputed WWE tag team titles against the Usos. Uh, I mean, against the new day. And now they're going to have the record for longest tag team title reign in WWE history. So now you've got that on the table too. Now, so who's going to be the one to dethrone the Usos? Do the Usos lose before Roman reigns? Uh, that the whole bloodline thing with Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa. I, I mean, Sami Uso. <laughs> yes. I mean, am I feeling Usi today? I don't know. Yeah. He's not feeling very Usi. Yeah. So, I mean, I think WWE has, if they could just let the talent kind of do more in, in ring from an in ring perspective, I, I, I think they'd be there. That's all they're missing. And I understand that they have the ridiculous grueling schedules, the live event tours. And so they kind of have to dial it back for the most part outside of main, you know, TV main events and pay-per-view or whatever premium live events or whatever they're calling it nowadays, which is silly. But um, I, I really think that we're still in a time where pro wrestling is as good as it's ever been. I think you're just seeing everyone kind of working through their own kinks right now, their own issues uh, in, in the, in the, in the gears uh, to really get going. I think WWE is on the up and Adam. 
I think AEW is is trying to to bounce back from their own sort of self implosions from top talent. And there's there's still plenty of other great wrestling companies out there too. New Japan being prominent among mm-hmm. them. So uh, I think I think I think wrestling will do just fine without Punk in the fold wherever he goes. But if if this is not it for Punk, I'm very interested to see where he goes and how it all plays out. Me too, man. I I'll be watching if he's back. No matter where it is, I'll be watching. Fendi. All right. I think that's gonna do it. For this final installment of, I, I think it was part four of, part two, volume four. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it, I don't know what we were calling it. But uh, this this was episode 99. So episode 100 is, uh, is, is coming right around the corner, DS. We oh. might, have to, might have to do something uh, interesting. Might have to do, I think I might have a little project. An idea or two. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. But I want to thank DS as always for hopping on. Appreciate his work as well as Mike Berry's in the the editorial role. But I think that's going to do it for episode 99. So for DS, I'm Ryan Brown. We will see you next time for episode 100. Fuck Duke. Fuck you.